epic gumdrop. Sweeter than scoring 12 buttons and a patch before that catapult destroys your wall. Hello, Jeff. Hey, James. Spring break is all gone for us here, but we did manage to play a heap of games. A heap? Is that a scientific term? That is the metric. Okay, uh, a metric heap. A metric heap. That's bigger than a than an imperial heap. No, that that's the metric of imperial measurement. I'm using. Oh, <laughs> that got too wordy. Yeah, yeah. We we played a lot of games. It was good. Yeah. This week we're going to look at a couple. We got two two player games: Patchwork and Stronghold Second Edition. Two two-player games, one of which is a second edition? Yes. There's All right. a lot of twos. Deuces are wild. <laughs> so, it's a two-player game. Yeah. Uh, whenever I see them come out, I'm like, I need to try it. Yes. We're always looking for them. Um, a lot of games say they support two players, but how many times do you open the box? You look at the rules and find it's only some horrible, hacky two-player mod that, you know, taken out of the regular gameplay. You're like, oh, now go to the back and look at the two-player modification. Oh, yeah. the game's gone. We're looking at you, Alhambra. We're looking at you, everything. Oh, I don't know. There's, there's been a lot. Yes. Um, we, we game as a family, but often it's my son and I that will play them first. Or, you know, if no one else around, we'll play a game. And so many times we're like, yeah, let's try it out as a two player. No, no. no. You know, you've got a dummy player. You've got something that just doesn't quite work or it's clunky. Mm-hmm. So while the gesture is lovely the box should really tell you it's a three to five player game or whatever. And, uh, you know, playing with two players is theoretically possible, <laughs> like uh, some arcane concept in quantum physics. Right. The box should also have a uh, fundametric ratings bar that shows us our probable enjoyment level based on player count. So no player wants to say this, but it's better, you know, than a disappointing game experience, which I often right. find. I'll get a game, I'll think, great, it supports two players, you know, if we need to. And then you play two players, and you're like, that does not support two players. Stop saying it does. I like your phonometric bar idea. I think that would be, be fun on the side of the For box. For each two, three, four, five, and they have little stars. Yeah, like like some games would have like a parabolic arc. Yeah. Where, you know, like when you get to four players, it's perfect. You and then like out. five, six, seven, it gets just worse. Disappointment, yeah. Other ones, it would just be, it would be like a line. Hockey stick. Perhaps even exponential. Yeah, a line downwards just gets worse. Every player you add. Yeah. I, I, that's one thing I do like about the Board Game Geek. They have a yes. rating for uh, wh- what player count is best. Mm-hmm. And people kind of, when they vote on a thing, they give an average rating yep. for what player count. And I find it's often pretty good. Yes. You see three to four players. And you're like, okay, then that's mm-hmm. what it probably is, mm-hmm. which seems like most of the games yeah. with that count are. Because some some games is like, oh, you can play seven players, and that's fine if you want to invest, you know, like an hours. hour per player. Yeah, yeah, and the box doesn't say adds 55 minutes per player. Yes. So yeah, even if it's not a weird game that you know allow mods to do two players, mm-hmm. it's often not the best experience. If a game says two to four or two to five, I usually now assume the two-player version will be weaker, probably a poor representation of the optimal game experience. Especially games that have you know area control, like when you yes. want to take over little sections of the board, those usually are not great, or they're again really hacky if you have mm-hmm. to do something. So you know, a two two-player game that only does one thing, supporting two players is a welcome game in our house. We just love to get something that's built for those repeat plays. And you haven't sawed off a leg of the table and brought in some extra chairs and done something bizarre to one of you has to wear a mask every second round, just things to make the thing work. And I, yeah, it's nice when it just is supposed to work that Mm -hmm. way. When you get a good one, you know, by game six or game 10, you've, you've kind of got your own style, your own strategies, and it's a really nice shared experience. So um 
you know, my son and I have been playing Netrunner against each other for quite a while now, and I'm sure we'll have years of future fun together because we've invested ourselves in this personal competition that mm -hmm. we've got going. And a two-player game really gives you that. And how often is it just you and your partner or your child together when you both feel like playing a game? Yeah. The two-player, like a great solo game, has an important place on any board game shelf for that reason. Absolutely. Because you, you, you never know. So yeah. you want it's to nice to have something you pull out and just play. Yeah. Yeah. And not have to or ideally a selection of games of varying length. Exactly. This is because you're not gonna start playing Netrunner, you know, when it's twenty minutes before bedtime. You can you can knock out a Netrunner. Well, we're at a point where you can do it pretty quick. He he beats you that quick now? He beats me that quick. It's painful. <laughs> yeah, that my yeah, my my life is a it's a history of defeat. That's yes. what my biography will be called. My autobiography, because no one else would write that. Well, they'd start it, but they never finish. No. Oh, I just can't do it. I just can't. I'm giving up. So today, yeah, we're looking at uh, Patchwork and Stronghold 2nd Edition. We'll go to Patchwork first up. It is the smaller, lighter of the two. And the cuter. It is so cute. We're big fans of uh, Gricola and Caverna in this house. So when we saw Uwe Rosenberg had a new game, we were in Sight Unseen. Uh, if you're not familiar with his work, then the theme might not be one that immediately grabs you. Yes. Uh, in this game, you and your opponent will each be making a patchwork. Patchwork quilt. A patchwork quilt. Yes. Uh, but don't let the idea of taking part in a game simulating a relaxing hobby fool you. The idea is that you take a small gridded board, each of you has one, and a few buttons. And buttons are the economy in this game. They're your money. So the center of the table contains a scoring track. And surrounding the scoring track are a wide variety of materials like uh, little cloth shapes uh, in different shapes and sizes that you've laid out. And these will be the pieces that you're vying for in order to build the best patchwork. And that sounds so weird as a game concept. Yes. Uh, let's look at, we'll go through and we'll get to why this is such a great game, but let's just give the, still the idea of you know, what, why would you pick a piece? What makes a little cloth swatch better than a different one? Each piece covers a certain amount of gridded area on your board. Uh, maybe it's two by one, maybe it's three by four with some extra bits on the end. You need to be able to fit it onto your board in the right spot. If you fill up most of the board, you might even score a bonus uh, of some buttons at the end of the game. But right now, the end seems like an impossibility when you consider the jumble of parts you have to choose from. Besides shape, though, uh, what else do you need to consider? And each piece has three other critical pieces of information that uh, will help you choose. Cost. Most pieces will cost you buttons. Time. Most pieces will cause you to move ahead on the scoring tracker. And buttons. Some pieces have buttons on them that will earn you extra buttons later on at various points throughout the game. And there's a, a ton yeah. of points on the scoring board where suddenly it's scoring and you get yep. buttons. Yay, it rains buttons. Uh, each point in the game has you weighing these factors when you make a choice. It's less a game about shape placement than about jockeying with your opponent for the best scoring pieces. There's one final bit that is all important. It's the scoreboard itself. Right. So this isn't a thing where it just, you know, tallies up your points and you kind of ignore it over in the corner. It's what drives the game. Unlike other games where you alternate taking turns and scoring, this game builds a lot of the strategy into the scoreboard. If your opponent is ahead of you by a bunch of spaces, you have a few choices. You can make up the spaces between you uh, and your partner, and you can go one space ahead of them and just receive buttons as a reward. So for yeah. each space, you get a button. Yay, you get some money. You build some economy. Alternatively, you can take a turn by choosing a cloth patch off the table. You get to look at any of the three that are ahead of your little wooden turn marker. You can pick one of those three. 
you pay the amount it costs, you move that much forward. But if, if your opponent is 10 spaces ahead and your patch only costs you five moves in time, then you can take another turn. Mm-hmm. So if you're behind, you keep playing. And however many times, you might get two, three turns in if you play it right and the pieces are randomly set out just so. On the other hand, if you really need that time-expensive piece that fits just so when you might dramatically overpay for it in time and suffer the consequences, the game just kind of swings back and forth like that. Absolutely, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's... Normally, a game has a couple of gears that you Mm. have to take into account, like, you know, cost and then uh, economy, like the uh, cost of things, the placement of Mm -hmm. things. But adding time as a whole element in the game makes the it's like this whole extra gear that kind of burns your brain out it's really nice too because it takes a game that could very easily become two-player solitaire yeah where you're just working against your board and trying to build the best quilt you can yeah with the with the patchwork pieces you have available to you and adding that time element means no i'm not going to take the optimal piece because now because you can get your opponent in situations where they run out of buttons. Exactly. And so you want to move just one square ahead of them so they only pick up two buttons and yeah. don't cross a barrier, thus getting all the buttons on their on their patchwork quilt. Yeah. You know, you, you can put yourself in very good positions. It It's almost like snooker. You can put your opponent in bad positions uh-huh. or keep them in bad positions, and that's a better advantage than you getting a better piece for yourself. Yeah. It's hard to describe. It is. It's hard to describe, but you may, the decisions are never like, oh, that's the best piece, I'll buy it. It's exactly. never that binary. No. Yeah. yeah. It's like a lot of, it's like a game like like Suburbia or any of these mm-hmm. other games where you, you're doing your own little thing, but then the forced interaction between you and the other yeah. player just generates all of this tension and drives the whole game. Yeah. And it, it is weirdly tense. Oh, it when is. When you're making Absolutely. quilts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous, and it's so cute and colorful. Yeah, it belies its true claws. But there there are times where it's the kind of game where you say, it's your turn, you know. Because yeah. the opponent is just staring at it going, I don't like any of my choices. No. I love all of my choices, and I hate all of my choices so simultaneously. Will I, will I just take buttons this round? And then try to get some economy and then yeah. move ahead. But then I'm going to miss out on, because I don't want those three pieces. But then I won't get a yeah. chance to go ahead and get that other, you know, on the board, there's also these little, the three, I don't know, it was about four of them or something. There's a little tiny, little yes, one, by one, one by one patches that you can get also as a Which bonus. Which you need. You totally need if you're going to get that seven button bonus yeah. at the end. So you're like, oh, what's mm-hmm. the payoff? It's and then so cost benefit. The way the, uh, the, the pieces available to you change sometimes you'll buy a piece to prevent an opponent from being able to buy yes. another piece <laughs> you know you'll skip over a perfect piece exactly. for you because it would enable them to have an even perfecter they'll get a three piece. button bonus yeah so it's weird there's a really weird cost benefit choices you make throughout the entire game it, that uh laying out the pieces randomly it's so replayable mm-hmm. it's so we played it so much over yeah. spring break and all of us played it yeah. Um, so you have the physical version and I've been playing the app with my kids and myself often. Is it just very, very often. It's probably just as satisfying. Lunchtime at work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very nice lunchtime at work against the against an AI game. Huh. Um because it is, it's different every time. And the AI is quite good. There's uh there's different levels of AI. There's uh I'm going to win every time hmm. and there's uh uh why, why do you hate me? So nice. that's basically Nice. And, yeah. and you're it's a challenge? 
It's a jam. It depends on how I'm feeling that day. Sometimes it's going to be, I'm going to win. <laughs> Jeff needs a little uh, boost. Exactly. It's been a rough day. <laughs> Give me this pick me up. I, I deserve it. So yeah, I like, I guess we gone through a lot of that. Yeah. Like what, I'll just, what makes the game so good? There's um, the ease of setup. Mm. The, we pulled this thing out and you're, you know, the kids set it up. We can set it up. It takes a minute. Or if you have the app, about 30 seconds yes. for the app to load. Yes. But even the physical version, yeah. I mean, you just literally, there's not even a bag. You just dump, the, it's a tiny box. You dump all the patches out, spread them out and boom, boom, randomized. Yeah. And you, you can't even think like no. it's, at first I thought, are oh, you can be able to math this out and just kind of like, no, you, you really can't. You're, you, you, you can math out your best choices. No, um, but you can't count on what they're no, going to do. Exactly. It's so fast to play. Yeah. It like any of us played, you just, you, I don't even know. It just, it, bam, you're done. And mm-hmm. you want to play another game mm-hmm. immediately. And it's so replayable that you will. Yeah. You play over, we played again, over and over and over again. I have no end in sight for this. And I think it's going to be one of those perennial games that we'll just pull out mm-hmm. every once in a while. There's some games you burn out on. Yeah. And you put aside and you're like, I don't want to look at this game for another year. That game, you burn out on it, put it away for a month, come back, yeah. and it's going to be fresh. Absolutely. Um, it's easy to explain to anybody and all ages can enjoy our five-year-old currently holds the high score in our house <laughs> she destroyed me it was painful you know the i think there there's some she got, she got the general concept and right. part of it was luck but part of it was like yeah they get the idea of what they're trying mm-hmm. to roughly do so it's it's a great one for you know spatial reasoning putting these yep. pieces into various because you have to think in a tetrisy type way of yep. like how to organize these pieces in a limited space mm-hmm. so it's they got uh, counting skills with the buttons yep. uh, counting the time it's good for kids um the small size of this thing means we'll take it everywhere which is kind of nice it's yes. a good travel game and it's a two-player delight i mean it's n- it's not just two players who are taking a break from chess or mage wars uh, any two players can enjoy mm-hmm. this thing and yeah, and you've been enjoying the app. Yep, so I mean, absolutely. even if we didn't want to pack it around and unload it, you could play this thing in the car. Yeah. The, um, the nice thing is, is, like you say, replayability. When you lose, you never feel like, um, like, uh, uh, like, oh man, I got cheated. No. <laughs> like it was, you had fun losing. Yeah. As well, which is uh, it's which not I think, mean player interaction. And it's so adorable. It is. It really is. And even the winner, like the, the quilt at the end looks ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a big chunk in the top right oh, corner that's just never going to get filled. Well, that, or, that's because you're a failure as a patchwork yes. quilter. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. My mom makes quilts and mm-hmm. I'm, I look forward to introducing, like I, this is, like I said, an all age game. I, yeah. I look forward to introducing her to this because we, it's, you know, it's thematically nice mm-hmm. and it, the rules are so easy mm-hmm. that you can, you know. It's it's a kind great. of game you can you can explain by playing, mm-hmm. and by turn three they'll understand oh, they completely. Totally, yeah. yeah, and then they want to play fifty games in a row. Yes, it's so good. Yeah, no, I I'm. It's been one of I can see you know a lot of people have been uh, raving about it lately, and it's it's so easy to see mm-hmm. why. And he's such a good designer. Yeah. Like it just the balance, everything about it is really lovely. Mm-hmm. I think some people complained about the button advantage of the bonus. I don't know. I we don't even pay that much attention i think we've only gotten it like once it's hard to get that button bonus you have to really plan ahead and make your early choices based on getting that and i think that having that kind of in uh unobtainable goal because it's often really hard to get 
it kind of drives the game in a way mm-hmm. instead of it just being a competition between the two players it forces this third objective which is getting the button bonus and yes. so it's like this little dangling you know thing in front of yeah. you you're not going to get it but, but I, try. I feel like I've, I've i've beaten the computer when they've gotten the button bonus okay because depending on the pieces that they fill in the space so well, or, or or they're buying pieces that don't have buttons on them right to fill in their the gaps weird. properly yeah yeah and then and then so when they pass the the scoring stage and get all their buttons they're getting like you know five buttons yeah five six buttons and i'm picking up yeah 14 15 right and so i can just out economy them yeah so whenever they move ahead of me you know you're taking as many turns as you need because you have a huge button advantage or you can put them in situations where they just can't buy anything that's a good point yeah 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 again i think that that's that balance mm -hmm. he nails it Mm mm-hmm and if you haven't played his other games, this is a great gateway game to make you realize he's such a good game designer. He might know what he's doing at he this point. Might. Again, yeah, it you know he balance is gonna be beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was we have been so This is definitely happy. the most accessible of his games by a I, country mile. I will say that, yeah. Yes. It definitely, in fact, you could set up and play this game in the time times. it takes <laughs> to set up Caverna, I'd say. I probably. Yes. Absolutely, in fact. <laughs> yeah. And for the second game we'll look at, uh, we will look at a game that is nothing like yeah, this one. I'd say this is going a different direction. Uh, or, or are they? You know, I mean, Stronghold Second Edition, it's, uh, they're both two-player games. Right. They both utilize time as a form of economy. Uh, Stronghold uses these little blue wooden hourglasses. And uh, most importantly, they both involve building siege weapons and fighting back your enemy's orcs. I think that's about accurate. Well, I always assume that uh, there's an orc sweatshop producing my <laughs> patchwork quilts in patchwork. So I guess, yeah, orcs are involved. I, I thought those were the goblins. I couldn't. No, no, no? orcs have better fingers. Oh, Not so, dexterity. And then the trolls are the managers. Yeah, for sure. Well, they're the muscle yeah. <laughs> to make sure the orcs stay in line. Yeah, I've been reading the uh, Ranger's Apprentice books to my uh, son at bedtime and the second edition of uh, Ignacy Chevichek's 2009 game came out just at the right time. It was perfect. We were reading book six and we're at the climactic siege of Castle Mackendaw as this game arrived in our house. It was beautiful. So we were talking all about siege weapons and siege warfare and then this thing shows up and we're like, yep, let's do this for real now. He was so excited. For real now. For real now. Not pretendy. We're, no. not, we're not going to do... <laughs> no, no. It's on. For, for real pretend. Okay. So we quickly hurled everything off the dining table in a berserker rage and began setting up the sprawling board uh, for a bit of rapid medieval warfare. I do. I wish I wish the people at home could see the fact that you are miming out the, the wiping off of the, the table the of everything with and, the, I, and the placing of the game. I feel like so it's, much it's like you're reliving it over again. Broken dishes, yes. shattered china. Worth it. Technology smashed yes. against the wall. Take that TV. We won't need you anymore. I'm just going to hit the light fixture just because. Yes. You want to play this game by candlelight, don't you? Yeah, you have to. Yes. Torch. Yes. <laughs> Insurance is not going to be happy about this, but man, it was worth it. Here's the idea. Okay. Stronghold is an asymmetrical game of siege warfare. One side will play the role of the stronghold defender. The other side will bare their teeth and yell fiercely while performing each action as the bloodthirsty invader. I feel like you and your son, there is a lot of yelling and screaming on the side of like... Believe it or not, it's pretty sedate. Really? eh? Yeah. Is it too much of a brain burner to uh, be Uh, yelling out or is your son just well behaved? He's pretty well behaved, but it's also, (laughs) it's a lot of like, okay, your turn. Right. It's like it's really fast. And mm-hmm. so you it is a bit of a like a high speed brain burger. 
each side has this menu of choices available to them as they, you know, each perform their actions leading to the final assault on uh, each round, or I think they call it a turn. So I'm going to, I'm going to totally screw this up, but there's rounds, turns, actions, like I'll use these words. They might not actually relate to gameplay. So don't be confused. I was when I read the rules and I read the word turn and I was like, turn. Okay. So like my one movement is a turn. No, no. The whole series of turns that leads to what I would think of a round is actually a turn or something like right. that. I, anyway, read the rules if you ever play it. <laughs> this just in, uh, Epic Obdrock recommend, recommends you read the rules of the games you're playing. It's a good idea. Yes. Don't just wing it, kids. It's yes. uh, it seldomly turns out. Just throw the pieces in the box and try to figure it out. How, how do you end up in the hospital? This That's not how you play Tiddlywinks. Yes. What? So we'll go through... Okay. We go through, you go through these series of rounds and then, then the, the game is decided after that. So I'll go through each of the main three concepts. You got oh, the yeah. invader. The invader chooses from a menu of cards. You lay them out and these things let you do things like build siege weapons, move invader units around the board, swap out units for things like wood. Uh, they're broken into some broad categories like supplies, machines, equipment, training, or rituals. Rituals will give you some little advantages. Uh, like, you know, when your guys go into a blood rage, they can do something special. Right. These choices let you gain small advantages here and there, depending on your overall strategy. These choices cost you wood or units, uh, the primary economies in the game. And additionally, each time you spend units in setting an action into motion, the defender will gain an hourglass to spend on their turn. So this tit-for-tat exchanging of uh, Mm -hmm. time units. In other words, your decisions enable your opponent to have more options against you. So how much do you want to injure yourself this round? Now, if you're the defender... The defender chooses from a menu of items that looks a lot like the world's worst brunch menu. Unless, of course, you were uh, defending Stronghold, in which case the forge, the workshop, the scouts, the cathedral, the barracks, and the guards all sound like delicious options. The difference between the invader and the defender is that the defender can invest partial time against a choice each action. In other words, uh, while setting a trap costs two time tokens, I can simply place my last one there and finish paying it off the next turn. So you kind of, you know, depending what your uh, the other person does, you're going to start off with a few. Uh, I think you get four at the start of the game and two at the beginning of each of the, you know, ongoing series of um, actions that lead to the, the whole turn. You, so you get a few, but then it's dependent on what they do. And so this kind of leads to this this tit for tat. So they do a bit, mm-hmm. ah, that's going to cost them time. You're going to get some time, which has a kind of realistic flow yeah, that it, it introduces sure. into the game, which I, I think is one of the most beautiful parts of it. All of this leads to the assault. And this is where it's all decided uh, for this round or turn. Did you move the right troops to the right place? Did you sabotage the right things and place the right units? Was the cauldron of hot oil effective? Or did it just make their hair look beautiful and shining? Yes. Did the marksmen do their jobs? Uh, now's the time when you resolve all your decisions and siege. And then you move the turn token forward and start the process over again. So what makes this game so good? Fast pace. This game moves like ultra quick because there's a defined menu of choices that helps prevent players from spending too much time thinking and thinking and doing math in their heads and thinking. Uh, ease of setup. While I was a little scared when we opened the game box for the first time, my son surprised me uh, and set up the game by himself while I was making dinner. The game manual does a great job of outlining all of this. It was great. I literally, he he unsealed it, you know, took every, I don't even know if he had a punch stuff. He took everything right. apart, set it up. was like, it's all ready to go. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is great. And it, it's that easy. Uh, I timed him the second time and he set it up in around 10 minutes-ish. Um, when we set up together, it's around that or a little less than that because we each take our half and mm-hmm. set it up. 
Um, the main reason is that most of the initial placements are laid out for you. Um, they show you where you're going to put your, you know, introduction cubes and all of that. And even the random elements are quick, you know, to shuffle together. You got like five cards or something. You're going to take three of them, those kinds of decisions. So very, very simple right. randomization and invader cubes are randomly pulled from a black bag. So the, you know, there's, n there's little nail chewing to do when you make those decisions. So the, all of that ease of set, all those little kind of randomizations add up to a lot of randomization, but they're implemented easily. Mm-hmm. And then ease of play. The overall game structure makes this game run really smooth. Your choices are straightforward. The structure also makes it easy to play with a child. The only other cube-based war game we play together is 1812, The Invasion of Canada, which is excellent. You should play it. Um, and this captured his imagination even more, I think, just because of the, the way the theme is, you know, I don't know, more suited right. to an eight-year-old. Yeah, it's a really easy concept. Can Canadian history is defend. low on his... yes. You know, it hasn't hit his radar as much yet. Orcs! Uh, and a 90-minute uh, gameplay time. That's really nice for this. Um, it's involved, yet it's really straightforward. Mm -hmm. And then the rules. Uh, because this is a second edition, I felt pretty good that they probably worked out most of the bugs in the gameplay and the rulebook. And the rules do a nice job of outlining setup, each player's turn, detailed explanation of how to resolve the assault phase, like lots of examples. Uh, there's a nice double-sided hot sheet that gives all of the main action choices that each side has. One side for invader, one for defender. Not sure how the marksman work. Check the sheet. Can training actions be used multiple times? Check the sheet. Like it, mm -hmm. Most of the questions we had, I think, were very quickly answered. Not just answered, but it was like, there's the answer because they knew what people would want. Right. I like that. It's mm -hmm. nice when you get a second edition sometimes and you're like, oh, okay, all the rough edges are gone. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, the wording of turn, round, whatever. I mean, that was just me being dumb, not reading properly. But it, it's all there. Yeah. It's well done, well documented. So it all makes sense. No in criticism. The yes. Yeah. Uh, what I, yeah, I like the idea of a 90 minute gameplay that you're playing with another person where the turns move really quick. Yeah. Because um, it probably doesn't feel like 90 minutes. No. When you're done. No. It's one of those look up the clock like, oh, wow, that, that was an hour and a half. Is that a realistic portrayal of time as it goes this yeah it's not like a like power grid or something where you're making decisions and you're waiting for the mm -hmm. other person to make their decision and their brain burner decisions mm -hmm. and they're mathing out stuff and it's one of those back and forth where it's like they have ah one, they did this one choice. That. Yeah. Their, their menu is really limited really yeah it doesn't feel it entirely, but it, the, yeah, it makes that beautiful flow of action and mm -hmm. it immerses you a little bit because you're, you're, there's less time to get distracted. Right. Which is you're always so doing critical. something, yeah. Yeah. Or, or intently watching what they're doing so you can counter. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of, yeah, that leads to the immersion and to the feel that you're really playing as the siege game. Mm -hmm. And that that's pretty critical. Like that's the feeling you want out of a game like this. You don't yeah. want it to be too mathy or too yeah, abstract. For sure. So yeah, like overall thoughts, it it captures that feeling of a, a fast-paced dining table siege. I mean, I've sieged hundreds, maybe thousands of dining tables in my day. And this is the most accurate game out there for doing that. As for real-life castle sieges, no idea. No idea. Haven't done that yet. We certainly like the way it feels. It's fast without without getting rid of strategy. Mm -hmm. um, while you don't completely sacrifice strategy, you are still definitely working within constraints. The menu of options may not feel entirely satisfactory if you're looking for a traditional war game. There's no dice, no lookup charts. If you're looking for a good two-player family game that has more thematic weight and far more casualties and patchwork, then great option. A little bit longer gameplay. A little bit longer gameplay, a little bit more uh, uh, death of orcs. A little bit. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, the art's great. It's gritty. It 
fits the theme. Most of the bits in the cards are cleanly designed. Information is really easy to spot. Mm -hmm. uh, the board looks crazy the first time you see it. Um, it's like some kind of aerial nightmare that has been bombarded with mud. Uh, I, I looked at online to see what the original board looks like out of curiosity. And yep. the original looked more like um, Kalis, like right. a beautiful green countryside. Pastoral. Very pastoral, yeah. very like very defined paths of where things go. Um, like literally drawn out. This one mm -hmm. is more like just brown mud, muck, mire. It's like, is that blood? Is that mud? I don't know. <laughs> and then dotted lines to tell you where to go. So it's a bit more abstract, but right. I, I think more it feels more like a siege is taking place mm. and less like a county fair. That, right. That's the, everyone's going to, that's just got, got out of hand, a Renaissance <laughs> fair that just went way too exactly. far. Yeah. Somebody spiked the mead. <laughs> the orcs have gone crazy again. Yeah. Yeah. The defender, you know, they know what they're defending. The invader feels the difficulty of the paths leading to the stronghold. It's gloomy. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. That orc's not going to make it. That troll, man, eh, decent shot. Those goblins definitely toast. They, they don't like the hot oil. No, it does eh? not work for them. Hot oh. buttered goblin is not, is, hot that, is that a specialty on your dining table? Is that what you're saying? Arrow, arrow ridden hot butter goblin. Just don't, well, that's hot butter goblin on a stick. Yeah. Don't eat, don't eat this. Don't eat the stick. Don't eat the stick. The replayability is pretty decent as uh, some actions aren't used in every game and you can take turns playing invader and defender. And one criticism I read is that the defender role is less interesting than the invader role. Um, like your strategic choices are less sophisticated. This probably mostly applies to unit movement, which seems like most of the sophisticated action on the invader side, like you decide between these minor and major maneuvers and you're going to move this one took, that was the only rule that took me a little while to get my right. head around is like how, what exactly is he saying when you can move five from any spot to, you can move people all over yeah. the place basically. And you can do a lot of it and it doesn't cost you much, but that's the most uh, dynamic part mm -hmm. of the game is just this whole unit placement and your units have different costs. So you're trying to divvy up like goblins or trolls, right. you know, one, two, three in unit cost. And do I want to go to that little wall or that little wall? And there's all these mm -hmm. different skirmish points at which you have to consider. Right. But it's just enough. I think it's refined down to the point where it's reasonable, mm -hmm. but still feels like you've got everything you can do. Right. Um, so the defender does has much more limited movement. I it feels like it. Right. I I yeah. I they I would say. I mean, it just it feels. I guess you feel more like you're bunkering down. Right. Right. Excuse me. Yeah. As opposed to uh, um, where the invader just feels like they're doing this whole dance around the you know around the castle mm -hmm. and they're really gonna like oh will I get him there? Will I get him there? And the defender's just kind of waiting for that. To, right. That's eh, yeah. Turtle. Yep. You come at me, come at me, bro. Exactly. That's, I think that's how they talk. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, look at that troll. I, sorry. I had a whole dialogue in my head where a troll was fronting and, uh, the defender didn't like the troll fronting on him, you know, and asked him to step off and it's a whole, they turned into a thing. Then there's a dance off. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that's how we usually end games. That's a tie. Um, the difference in sides is something uh, that definitely reminded both of us. I, I was asking him about what he thought of the game, and it reminded us of Netrunner in the sense that you, you know, in Netrunner you have the uh, corporation and the runner. Yeah, it's the same concept of the defender invader, and mm -hmm. both times he likes he wants to play corporation or defender. Huh. That's his thing. So we don't get to swatch, you know, sw switch it up too much. Yeah, uh, because he's like, no, I like. Uh, 
the decisions to be a little bit easier or he feels they're a little bit mm -hmm. easier as they're more reactive. Right. He doesn't want to have all the options. He wants to be responding to what's happening. Yes. So yeah, the attacking side just seems a little too open, too many decisions for him. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if it's entirely true as I don't get to play the other side very much. <laughs> I think I have an inkling that he's kind of right. I get mm -hmm. the feeling he's It makes about. sense because you're, if you're the side being attacked, you have to sort of see what they're doing to yeah. know what you're going to, how you're going to counteract. You're not it. going to ignore it and no. just do your own thing. No. <laughs> be like, no, no, no. I never liked that wall well, anyway. I got this. <laughs> I was meaning to remodel. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, overall thoughts. Uh, these games are both wonderful. I yes. love them both. Uh, they're nice examples at two very different approaches to making a two-player game. Heaps of satisfying strategy, high replayability. Mm -hmm. You should own Patchwork because it's amazing. It can be enjoyed by anybody. We take shifts. We've been playing it around the clock. My five-year-old and I are doing the 3 a.m. time slot. <laughs> totally worth it. She's used to working night shift over at the coal mine. Yep. Not, not a big deal. It's true. You it's nice that she got this time off. It was good. You yeah. Know, yeah, I'm surprised they gave them spring break. Yeah. I, I think it's a bit... Well, it helps clear up a little of the black lung. That's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> She's wheezing less. Yeah. And you should own Stronghold if uh, you and your gaming partner love big, combative strategy games without dedicating the next three months of your life to real-time skirmishes. Mm -hmm it captured what we'd hoped it would capture and it was satisfying to his eight-year-old imagination and it was satisfying to me if you have uh, you know are able to spare your entire coffee table to play it yeah. or not coffee table dining table you don't need to put it's, in the insert in the middle it's a space hog is it? it's a space hog but it's a beautiful space yeah. hog and it's it's pretty quick if you've got any other two player board games you think we should check out, uh, click on the show notes page for this episode and please leave a comment. Uh, we're always looking for more ideas or you can shout at me on Twitter. I'm at Epic Gumdrop. Until next time, I've been James. And I'm still Jeff.